Hey, good morning, Restoration Church. Welcome to our home church Sunday. We're really excited that you're here with us. We try to do this every once in a while, uh, just to kind of break out of the box of Restoration Worship on Sunday mornings. We love our gatherings and what we do there, but it is good for us to get out. And you know, I know right now in the middle of COVID, that's exactly what everybody wants is more time at home. But we figured, you know, we're not gonna break tradition just because of this pandemic. And one of the things, again, that we love to do is every once in a while, just to get out and take a Sunday and be at home, still worship, still look at God and, and focus our attention and our affection on Him. But to do that, usually together in people's homes, like the first century church. Now again, pandemic has changed things a little bit. COVID has changed things a little bit. And so hopefully you are just watching this and sitting with your family or with some close friends that you've been quarantining with and just taking some time to let Jesus speak to you. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We want to jump in and talk about that, uh, about who God is and where he's leading us. We're actually going to start a new series here coming up. And so hopefully this serves as part of an introduction to that series. So I was um, like most of us, we've been going through COVID and everybody's lives have changed. And I think in some ways for us as a family, it's been kind of a blessing. We've had more time to spend together and we've got to do some really fun things together and just really get to know one another at a deeper level. Uh, now, some of that is not positive. Like if I hear the words, I am bored one more time, I think I might lose it. But on the other side, you know, we've gotten to do some things together, especially with the older kids, like binge watching some, some shows together, which has been really fun. And one of those that we have watched is uh, the show called The Mandalorian. Now, if you're a Star Wars fan, like I am, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We're gonna all let our inner geek come out here for a moment. If you're not, just follow along with me because the Mandalorians uh, in the Star Wars world are a race of people. They're mercenaries. And they go around the galaxy just basically helping or serving people for money. They're well known and they have for them a, a very distinct identity. There's, a, there's a, a code of conduct, a way of life that's so deeply seated in them that they cannot break out of it. In fact, when they uh, decide on a course of action or they leave each other's companies, they leave with a, a, a salutation as they go and they say, this is the way. When they leave a situation, when they leave each other, this is the way. Again, it's like a code. We would call it in religious cir circles, like an order or a rule of life that governs how we live and how we act in the world. It's the way we operate and function in the world around us, an order for life or a code of conduct. And so in this series that we're going to jump into here in the next couple of weeks, what we're really asking is the question, what does that look like for followers of Jesus? What's our code? What's our, our order, a rule for life? And how do we apply that in today's day and age? Because here's the thing, that phrase, this is the way, is not a sci-fi word. It's not actually a Star Wars thing. It, it actually was borrowed, honestly, from the early church. In the first century, in fact, what we know is that Christians who gathered in this, they were first called Christians in a town called Antioch. But beyond that and before that, what the people around them was, they noticed a difference in people's lives. And they noticed that this group of people followed a particular rule of life, a particular uh, order or a particular code that was so distinct that they called them followers of the way. This is the way. 
And so for us, we're just asking the question, what, what does that look like for us? We're not talking about, you know, like a path, a way. We're talking about a pattern or an order for life, a code. Like Mike talked about last week, uh, he said the first Christians, what they said about them is these people have turned the world upside down and now they've come here to us. They were talking about Paul and Silas and some of the followers, early followers. This is in Acts 17. You can go look it up. But it wasn't, it wasn't just that they were this dutiful group of people. It was that they had a different way about them, a different ethos, a different way of being in the world that engaged and challenged and pushed the people around them. So much so that it turned the world upside down is what they say. Because they were just, they were followers of a different way, a new way of looking at the world and a new way of life. And so the question for you to wrestle with this morning, for all of us to wrestle with is, what does that look like today? What does it look like to be followers of the way today in your life and in my life and in our world. See, Christians have a long history of trying to figure this out. This question is something that is and has been at the forefront of the faith and really honestly should be at the forefront of all of our faiths, uh, especially in today's culture. In every generation, followers of Jesus have to figure out what does it look like to uniquely reflect Jesus now. In our culture, in our world, especially now uh, in our world, the 21st century, where things are changing so dramatically. You know, the culture basically reinvents itself every 18 months. And so we're, we're stuck in this place of, of having a never-ending question that's in front of us is, Jesus, how am I to be in this time right now? What is the way that you would have me follow? And so again, if we were to say, this is the way, for us as followers of Jesus? What would that be? What would it look like today? Again, not rhetorically. Like I'm not just asking this question as an exercise uh, for thinking about, but for us to actually sit in and wrestle with what does it look like to literally order our lives after Jesus? Like, What should we be expecting of ourselves and of each other? And it's a great question. Again, just sit in that for a moment and think, what is the way of following Jesus? John says at the very end of his gospel, Jesus challenges the disciples twice and says, I am sending you in the same way that I was sent. So how are we to order our lives in the world? Last couple of weeks, we've been uh, in MAP, Ministry Apprenticeship Program, in our tutorials, we've been talking about what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It's sort of the same question. And we've talked about historically how the, the church has always wrestled with that question and answered it in different ways. And very early on, what you see are what we call the desert fathers who, who retreated from the culture out into the desert and formed these little communities all around because they were, they were trying to follow Jesus and, and reflect God. And so they looked at the culture around them and said, we can't do that well here. And so they just went out into the desert to seek God and to seek God alone because there were so many other temptations that were around them. We see that in the first century church. We see it uh, all the way through in what we call the monastics. 
You know, there were some orders or rules of life that, that developed in the, from the 400s and on. Uh, people like the Benedictines or the Cistercians or the Franciscans. You know, the Franciscans were St. Francis, like they were dedicated to a life of poverty and of helping those in need. And the Benedictines uh, were dedicated to establishing communities on the outskirts of, of towns and villages. And the Cistercians were dedicated to preaching the word and effectively communicating about Jesus to people who needed to hear it. They were preachers at their heart, but they were all monastic communities that separated themselves because they were consumed with this question, how do we order our lives after Jesus in our culture? In fact, the, I think it was the Benedictines, um, in order to finance this, they were the first people that brewed beer to sell it to the towns that they were next to, right? So the next time anybody tells you that you can't drink beer, just go, wait a second, the monks were drinking this a long time ago and selling it, as a matter of fact. There's a lot of crazy things in the history about stuff like that. But it's so interesting to think that, that Christians in different historical epochs have answered that question by fully, fully pulling themselves out of the culture and forming distinct communities in order to follow the way. Now, I think some of that was good and some of it was an excess, but for us, the harder task, I think, is what Paul says uh, in the New Testament where he says, we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. That there's a distinction among people who follow Jesus that our way involves interacting with the world somehow and in deep ways, in my opinion. So to follow the way in the midst of our world that's so rapidly changing, and honestly, and you, we all know this, a, a world that is so rapidly shifting away from the Judeo-Christian way of looking at the world. The worldview around us has changed dramatically in the last 50 years. And so it's put us off kilter a little bit, where that question is a little bit harder to get our heads around and a little bit harder to come up with concrete answers to. So again, asking the question is the essential piece. See, for so many Christians, asking that question, what does it look like to order our lives after Jesus means that we're nice? You know, that we don't cuss. If you're a Baptist, it means that you don't dance. More particularly, that you don't drink so that you won't dance. For some people in the 70s, it was hairstyles. In the 80s, it was they'll know us by our t-shirts. All of these things were efforts by Christians to figure out what does it look like to order our lives after Jesus now. The problem is they were all very superficial in how they answered that question. It was an outward appearance that governed what they believed was the answer to that question. I think Jesus is after something much deeper and more dramatic for you and for me. I think he's actually got a heart change at the core of this that radically changes not just the t-shirts that we wear or our hairstyles or you know whether or not we drink but that changes everything about what we do that impacts every single piece of our life and orders it differently this is the way and so what we see that at the end of luke we see jesus who is being brought before pilate and you may know this story, but he's being brought before Pilate and Pilate sees him and, and everybody's yelling and shouting, you know, this is this guy's the worst thing in the world. And oh, my gosh, we have to get rid of him. And he comes to Pilate and Pilate interviews him and comes back to the Jews. And he says, you know, what? I, I can't find anything wrong with this guy. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but I see no way to accuse him. 
especially not to put him to death. And the Jews come back to Pilate and they go, no, you don't understand. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. That's the term that they use. He stirs up the people through his teaching all over Judea. And and that word stirs up means that he moves people to action. It means he excites and motivates and draws people to a new way of life, a new pattern on which they base their life that looks like Jesus. And so he was causing trouble for them. In fact, the message puts it really, really well. I love the way the message says this. This is again Luke 23, and it's verse 5. Starting at verse 5, it says, The Jews came back to Pilate, and they said uh, they were vehement in their objection. He's, he's stirring up unrest among the people with his teaching, disturbing the peace everywhere, starting in Galilee and now throughout Judea. He is a dangerous man, they said, endangering the peace. Whatever Jesus was teaching, whatever he was doing, it was enough to radically change and motivate the people that heard him. I think it's something that we have to consider in our day and age. Jesus was and is dangerous. He interrupts our comfortable lives and challenges the status quo. He won't leave us to do things just the same way that everybody else does them. He calls us to a new way of being in the world if we're following him. See, part of our challenge is that we're so formed by our world. There's so much interaction that we have with the culture at large, which happens in every culture, but ours is so very loud. And it trains us. Um, it has what, what sociologists call a liturgy that literally cha- trains us how to live, how to think, how to act, and to be in the world. And so when it comes to things like sexuality, money, uh, how we treat people, We are being trained every moment of every day as to what matters. Just think about the commercials that we watch. Think about the TV shows that we like, that there's always elements of sexuality that are introduced. There's always deeper context and content that pushes against our boundaries. So much so that it trains us to think a certain way about the world that we live in. And the only way to counteract that, the only way to to push back against that or to choose a different way is to press in towards Jesus, to let him inform the way that we live in the world. When I was in college, I had a roommate, her name was Hollis. And Hollis was a, um, she had a, a, a mom who was Mormon and a dad who was Muslim. And so she was just a, a spiritual mutt. But we used to have these great talks about Jesus. And one day she was in a class where she had to read the New Testament. She had to read the Gospels, actually. And so she would read the Gospels, and then we would talk a little bit about them uh, after she would read them. And she came to me one day, and I had become a Christian about a year before and was really just trying to figure out, you know, all of this stuff. And, and she goes, you know, she was, again, this was a spiritual seeker who had no introduction to Jesus until she read the pages of the Gospels. And her reaction to Jesus was, it it has stuck with me for 25 years. She said, say what you want about Jesus, but that man was a revolutionary. Say what you want about Jesus, but that man was a revolutionary. 
He did not come to give us practical tools for living our best life now. He came to revolutionize the way we look at the world, the way we act in the world, and the way that we believe about who we are and who God is. He was revolutionary. And so the whole idea is that Jesus, we can't just leave Jesus in the book. We can't just leave him on the shelf. He has to be incorporated. He has to change and be allowed to change every aspect of our life as we go about. That is the only way that we can call ourselves followers of Jesus is if we're giving permission to Jesus to change everything about us, to change the way we think about finances, to change the way we think about um, politics and government, to change the way we think about sex, about our mission, about purpose, about calling. God has something to say about every bit of it. And if we're going to order our lives after Jesus, we have to begin to take that seriously and let him transform us at the deepest parts of who we are. And so the question for you and for me this morning, but, but in your whole life, the question is, are we followers of the way? If you call yourself a Christian, the deeper question in there is, am I following the pattern that Jesus gave me? Am I looking at the pages of scriptures and am I seeing a revolutionary? Or am I seeing um, just a good teacher? Am I seeing somebody who wants all of me, my heart, my life, my soul, everything because he knows what is best? Or am I just seeing some good things that I can tack on to all the stuff that I want in my life. Again, are we following the way of Jesus? C.S. Lewis is famous for saying, you know, say what you want about Jesus. He's good, but he's not safe. He's good, but he's not safe. He will push you out of normal. He will push us past our boundaries so that we would follow him more closely so that we would leave a mark on the world, so that we would know who we are and whose we are. This is the way to follow Jesus. So again, Christians have been asking that question throughout history. And for us, in the next month, we're gonna try to unpack, or months, we're gonna try to unpack, what does that look like practically speaking for you and for me? What does it look like? What is the order, the rule of life that we have for us? Because here's what we know. And I think we all can agree on this. How we're doing things right now in our culture is not working. It is not working. We are more disunified than I've ever seen in my lifetime. We have more uh, hate and vitriol going on in our public spheres than I have ever seen. What we're doing is not working. It's time for the people of God to take seriously this invitation to be followers of a different way to boldly stand in the middle of our culture as lights in the world who say, you know what, I refuse to fall into the hate. I refuse to fall into the greed and the materialism. I refuse to follow along with everybody else. Why? Because I have been given a new and different way of being in the world. I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna do what he did. I believe I have been sent in the same way that he was sent. And I'm sold out to it. That's who we want to be as a church. That's who I want to be as a follower of Jesus. And I hope that's who you want to be as a Christian as well. People who make a difference, who stand up for a different way that reflects the Father, that reflects the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of the God that we serve. 
So we're gonna have some questions on the screen for you after this, just for you to think about and wrestle with uh, this topic of, of following this way of life, being wholly different from the culture around us, separating ourselves not from the culture, but in doing things differently in a way that reflects Jesus. Now here's, here's where I wanna close because this was the call that Jesus gave his disciples on the last night that he spent with them. They're gathered in the upper room. They're having dinner together. We celebrate this dinner most Sundays when we gather. And he, he, he breaks bread with them and he prays with them. But here's where it gets interesting. John is the one that records this for us in his gospel. This is in the middle of his gospel in 13. Jesus gets up from the table and he, he kneels down and he washes the disciples' feet. It's a famous, famous scene. And he begins to um, serve them in a way that they were wholly uncomfortable with. It didn't fit their culture. But then he says to them something profound and something that we need to consider. He says to them, do you understand what I've done for you? So you address me as teacher and master, as Lord, and rightly so. That is what I am. So if I, your Lord, your master and your teacher have washed your feet. You must now wash each other's feet. See, I've laid down a pattern for you. I've laid down a way of life for you. What I've done, you go and do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. A servant is not ranked above his master. An employee doesn't give orders to the employer. If you understand what I'm telling you, act like it and live a blessed life. Act like it and live a blessed life. This is the invitation of Jesus, to go and act like we're following the way and to live a blessed life. So again, we're gonna have questions up on the board and I just encourage you to talk about this. It's gonna take some time where you're reflecting on your own life, where you're reflecting on the culture, but I can't think of a better way to spend a Sunday morning than thinking about these things and holding our lives open before Jesus and saying, Jesus, have your way in me. All right, thanks for being here this morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, pray you have a blessed day and a blessed week and a blessed life. Amen.